Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Recorded live. Living Effectively. A program designed to provide wisdom, insight, information, and inspiration to effectively face the challenges of the 21st century world. And now, here's your host, Dr. Miles Monroe. So my topic today in this session, please write it down, is the danger of uncontrolled change. The danger of uncontrolled change. You'll understand why this topic is important in a minute. Our focus today is understanding the necessity for unchanging laws. Why is it necessary for there to be some laws that you don't change? Uncontrolled change will destroy. So even though we want change and we desire to see things change, in many instances that change may be destructive. So our focus today is the danger of uncontrolled change. So comment about change I want to make first. The most predictable reality on earth is change. If there's one thing you can predict, is change. Secondly, change is inherent in creation. Everything will change. God created everything to experience change naturally. Every plant, every animal, the weather, the seasons, your body, your relationships, everything will change naturally. That leads me to point number four. Make mankind is the only creature in creation who has the power to determine the change. They can design what kind of change they want. That is a dangerous power. Animals function on instinct. Humans don't. Humans have the power to decide what to change. Therefore, the human has what we call the power of will. Will is a curse and a blessing. And it's the greatest gift and the most dangerous gift God ever gave humans was a will. The will is the power to decide. Animals function on natural instinct. We function on intention. Will is intent. 
Therefore, the result of this is that God has placed the power of the will in the hands of man, and that means that the future of the world is in the hands of mankind. We can decide how the earth looks. This creates some very serious issues. We can decide what nations will look like, what communities will look like, what culture will look like. We can decide what is normal and what is not normal. We can determine what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. All that power is in your hand. We can decide to love God or curse God. We can decide to abandon truth or create our own. This is a powerful power called the will that God gave us. And because of that, change is in our hands. I want to list very quickly what I call human-imposed change. We are using the will to impose some changes in the world right now, and all nations are experiencing these changes. First, political confusion. Constitutional revisions are taking place all over the world. Social transitions. Ideological reinventions. Philosophical instability. We also experience moral manipulation of our countries. Values vacillation. Our values are up and down. We're not sure what we value anymore. Religious conflicts. Scientific inventions. We are deciding how to use them. Technological advancement. And of course, economic interdependence. We call it globalization. That's a massive change that's taking place. The last one I think is very dangerous. Redefinition of terms. We are redefining things, even redefining words. Words like marriage, we want to redefine it. So this is the kind of world we live in. And I wanted to quickly take you through what I call the age of change. Man has gone through a number of changes, and I'm going to go through these very quickly. Some of you who are history students would recognize them. Uh, you've heard about the age of the Renaissance. Then we have the age of reason, the age of postmodern era. We have another age we define as the age of secularism. Then we have the scientific age, the age of enlightenment, the age of, of our humanistic society. And then we have a recent one that just came along called the age of the new normal, whatever that means. And then we have what I am going to define the age we live in right now, and it's a big one, we live in the age of experimentation. We are experimenting with everything. We are tampering with economic formulas. We are experimenting with relationships. We are experimenting with politics. We are experimenting with education. We are experimenting with all kinds of different cultural entities. We are not sure what we want. This is a dangerous period right now we live in, experimentation. What's the result of unchecked change? I'm going to give you a reality check real quick. We are witnessing changes in, first of all, the collapse of governments, 
the rise of people power, international and domestic terrorism, states of countries are failing, global economic crisis affect everybody, massive unemployment is everywhere, and of course, we have the fall and disgrace of top leaders in every area, whether it's politics or business or priests or bishops or corporate executives, there seems to be no trust in leadership anymore. Then there is a change in the moral compass of our world. Things that we used to consider immoral are now becoming acceptable. Another problem we are seeing is the collapse of sovereignty where countries are no longer sovereign because they are controlled by entities like the World Bank or the International Monetary Fund or the United Nations are imposing on countries restrictions and criteria and conditions in order for them to participate in the global scheme of things. This means that sovereignty has been basically dissolved. And this is why I say we have a collapse of sovereignty. Now, all of these are changes we're living in. And I carefully because if you're not aware of this, you're going to be swallowed up by this and become a victim of it. Let's take then a quick look at the results of these changes. First, distrust of authority. People don't trust leaders anymore. Then we have liberalism creeping in, lawlessness, permissiveness. Compromise, re-engineering of morals. Culture of death taking over the countries, culture of violence, devaluation of human life, generational disillusionment, and sexual and social confusion. These are the results of the changes that we're dealing with in the world. And I want you and I to be intelligent about this. Because we are going to understand how to solve a problem if we can analyze the problem. The Apostle Paul told the people of God, that's you, he said, be not ignorant of Satan's devices. In other words, study your enemy before you attack. Understand what the enemy's equipment is, what his weapons are, and how he fights. This is exactly why Goliath was defeated, because he didn't study David's weapon. David understood his weapon. He knew and understood Goliath's equipment. And that's why David killed him. We have to understand what's happening in order for us to know what to do. I mentioned to you earlier in this series that the number one tribe of Israel was a little tribe called Issachar. Issachar is a tribe we don't hear much about in the, you know, in the talk when you talk about the tribes of Israel. But God said that they were the most effective one. And that God told us why. He said because they understood the times and they knew what to do. Just two things. So when you see me talking like this, you need to listen to me carefully. I'm trying to help you understand the times 
so we could know what we must do. Jesus told the Pharisees and scribes one time when he was teaching them about the kingdom, he made a statement I hope he would never make to me. He said, you do not know the time of your own visitation. In other words, you can miss what God wants to do because you're not aware of what's happening. I hope God will never say that to me. And so this is the world we live in. And here's a statement to write down. The world cannot heal itself from this situation. Albert Einstein said something I repeated often. He said, you cannot solve a problem at the same level it was created. Mm. Jesus said it this way. A bitter tree cannot bring forth sweet fruit. In other words, an unrighteous man cannot become a righteous government leader. You cannot demand sweet water from a bitter spring. Which means that if man created the problems, man cannot solve them. Are you with me? That's why for God to save the world, he couldn't find someone in the world to save it. So for God so loved the world, he didn't use anybody in it to save it. He sent someone from outside into the world. So the sign that Jesus is not from earth is a sign that we cannot save ourselves. That leads me to point number two. Doing nothing is not an option. The world is crumbling. Nations are imploding. Social structures are collapsing. And the issue is we cannot just watch it happen. Because we are in it. That leads me to point number three. Write this down. Whatever you allow, you can never criticize. In other words, whatever you avoid, you can never change. And whatever you complain about, you can never criticize. And this is why point number five is important. You must become the answer to your own prayer for change in the world. No longer should you ask God to send someone to fix something. This is the time in life where God is saying, you fix it. You do something about it. You take action because you are responsible for this error. And this is why God is telling us, I want you to transform your society by you taking leadership with kingdom influence. What a heavy burden I feel in my spirit right now. You see, whatever you permit, you are responsible for. So if we sit back and allow them to pass laws that we disagree with, we can never criticize those laws. So don't come back, you know, four years later saying, I disagree. You was quiet. Jesus said you go to the rooftops and you, you, you shout out the truth. You are not responsible for people's response. But you are responsible for declaration of truth. That would be the point number seven. Write it down. You can let things happen or you can make them happen. 
And that is where we're at in life right now. You either can let things happen and become a victim of them, or you can decide, I am going to make what happens happens. I'm going to make sure the decisions that are made and the changes we experience, I have something to do with them. You know, God didn't wait for us to ask him to save us. God initiated the process. For God so loved the world that he what? Sent. He didn't care whether the world loved him or not. I love the world, he says. I am going to be proactive. I am going to act. That is what we are called to do, my friend. We are called to act. We are called to make sure that things don't just happen. Look at this picture on the wall. Don't you love this picture? If we want a new society, we're going to have to do some things. I like this picture. That's me. Fishy, fishy, fishy. Read it. Let's take it at the top. Read. If you want something in your life you've never had, you have to do something you've never done. In other words, jump. You've got to take a chance. You might miss the bowl, you know, but at least you didn't stay with those who cropped up in the bowl. You cannot change the world by remaining safe. You cannot change the world by being afraid of criticism. It is the man or woman who have decided that criticism is an encouragement that become dangerous people. If you are not afraid of opposition, if you're not afraid of criticism, you are dangerous. So take a chance and leap. And that's what this ministry is doing. We are leaping out of the bowl of the churches, and we are going into God's obedient command. Go into the world and make disciples of all the nations. I want you to read this next statement, because when you begin to, to, to leave the pack, you may run some of you are laughing already. Oh, now, read it with me. Please read it with me. Go. I am making some changes in my life. And if you don't hear anything from me, you are one of them. There are some people you got to leave in the old bowl. Give God a hand for change. You, if you're going to make change, you've got to change your life, change your relationships, and change your position in order for you to make an impact in the world. I want you to make a statement and write this down, please. Our present age, therefore, is what I call what? The age of experimentation. And that means we are making changes without consideration of the consequences or even the realities of truth. We are experimenting. Recently in America, when the Supreme Court was asked a few weeks ago to deliberate on the issue of same-sex marriage, the Supreme Court justices had to deal with that, and for about a week they were debating it. And one of them said something interesting. I heard him say this. He said, uh, we should not be delving into things we don't understand yet. 
And then he said, for example, we don't know the consequences of a child being brought up in a home with two men or two women as husband and wife. He said, we don't even know the impact psychologically on the child. What he's saying is, we are experimenting with even children's lives. It is a shame to make something a law that you don't even know the results of. And that's why I think it is unfair for people to make demands in society for things to be legalized that they themselves haven't studied, and they expect you to sanction it as an experiment. That's the age we're living in, an age of experimentation. I look at this sign. This is the way man is. This sign describes man right now, the humans. Look at those signs. Read those words aloud. Lost, confused, unsure, unclear, perplexed, disoriented, bewildered. That's humans. In other words, our problem is found in the book of Deuteronomy 28. Now, I want to tell you this verse. You never saw this verse before because you always quote the other verses. All of you love to quote Deuteronomy 28. You shall be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming out, blessed coming in. You'll be blessed in the barn and blessed in your womb. Your enemies shall be scattered seven ways. You love that verse. But the verse ends with this statement. But if you walk away from my laws, the Lord says, I will afflict you with what? Now, here's I can give you no sickness, you know. I can make you mad. That means you're crazy. You are afflict you with what? With madness, blindness, and confusion. God actually sees them worse than cancer. Take a deep breath. He says the greatest curse is not that you got the cold or a headache. He said the greatest curse is your head ain't right. If you look at the laws we are trying to pass, you know we're going crazy. But notice he says, what? I will afflict you with madness. That means people who went to universities and got degrees will act stupid. They will make decisions that don't make any sense. He will make the educated irrational. I will afflict you with what? With the first madness. In other words, the next time you meet somebody who is suggesting some changes that are not you know, wholesome for society, just tell them, you are mad. And you got a legal right to say it. Now notice what God says. If you walk away from my laws. In other words, anything, anyone, any proposal, any prospect, any reformation, any reform that is against the laws of God is a sign of a society that's going mad. Come on now. Ladies and gentlemen, the next word God uses what? Blindness. Blindness means that even though you see the truth, you can't see it anymore. Your mind is so set on what you want that you can't even see the truth. You only see what you want to see. That's blindness. I know this is wrong, but it feels good to me, and I want it. That's blindness. It's like an alcoholic, you know, they're famous, aren't they? I know it ain't good for me, but I like it. 
See, that, 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 that's madness. I know my daddy died from cigarette cancer, but I like the smoke. This is madness. Blindness. Experimenting. And the last one is what? Confusion. Everybody say confusion. God says, when you walk away from my law, I will throw you into confusion. Wow. Has anybody in this room ever been confused about anything? Okay, I want you to go back and think for a minute how you felt when you was confused. <laughs> okay, you know he was driving in Florida trying to find this place. Let's go there for Harvard, that one, for example. <laughs> you have the address, but you keep missing the exit. And it takes you to West Palm Beach to get back. How do you feel when you're confused? You're still active, still wasting gasoline. You are still wasting time, but you ain't getting nowhere. Confusion means you're still busy, but not effective. Confusion means you are spending money, you are using time, and wasting all of it. A confused person is a, is a dangerous person. God will make you confused. And look at the last line. He says, and you will be unsuccessful in everything you do. This is in the Bible. God says, you walk away from my fundamental foundational laws, I predict your future. smarter than God. Your PhD means nothing to God's laws. You can't outgrow God's laws. You can't out-educate God's laws. God says, no matter what you try, you will be unsuccessful. Some of you will never see these scriptures, eh? God says, look, if you start tampering with laws that are permanent, you're predicting your own failure. this instrument? What is that? A compass. Write this down, please. I want to tell you why I'm showing you the compass so much. We talk about uh, uncontrolled change. Because here's the danger of change. To advance, progress, and develop, change is necessary. That's true. But here's the problem. Not all change is improvement. Yeah. Not all change is in advancement. Not all change is development. Not all change is progressive. There are people who you knew, and perhaps still know, who were good people in your family, and now they can hardly stand up. You go to visit them, they're on the floor in a mess. They changed, but it wasn't a good change. You know your sister was not an alcoholic five years ago. You know your brother was not a dope addict ten years ago. And you go to visit them, they don't even know where the door is. There's a change. But is it a good change? Ladies and gentlemen, all true change must occur within the boundaries of natural and spiritual laws. That's the point. You cannot just decide, I want to see some changes. 
cannot change by ignoring the boundaries established by God and the principles that are even natural in nature. You cannot just decide that your vote is more important than God's natural law. One thing I love about nature, it doesn't care about your vote. This is an important statement I'm making here. All true change must occur within boundaries. It must occur within some principles that are laid down, some laws that are being pre-established. In other words, make a note of this, change can develop or destroy. Did you know that? Anyone in this room who has a tumor or had a tumor, you just got healed, or if you know someone who had a tumor, a tumor is actually good cells. Every doctor here will tell you that a tumor, including cancer, you know, cancer tumors, these are good cells. The problem is something happened in the chromosome level of the cell that coded for the cell to multiply too fast. The good cell, but it multiplied too fast. There was some interference in the chromosome of that cell, which codes for normal multiplication. Your cells right now are multiplying a million a minute. That's why you're still alive. But if a cell malfunctions and it begins to multiply too fast, then it becomes too many cells together and we call it a tumor. A tumor is simply a multiplication of cells that multiply too fast. So here we see your whole body is made up of cells. Your cells will keep you alive. Your cells are important, but too many of them at the same time can destroy you. What makes the cell a tumor? A law of control was broken. I don't think we have any idea what our country is going to look like in 10 years by some of the laws we are recommending. I am afraid for America. America is such a great country the last 200 years. But I'm so afraid that the laws that they are tampering with seem to be disturbing the chromosome of natural laws that can end up with tumors that are nationally destructive. I'm talking about global implosion. Don't ever think a tumor is a bad cell. It's a cell out of control. Some companies collapse because they grew too fast. Some of your business people here today will tell you the company started big and, and they got excited and they moved to a building they couldn't finance and, and hire people they couldn't pay. All of a sudden they realize that this, is, this weight is too much. And then they call it resizing and downsizing. In other words, let's go back what they say. Why? Because you didn't manage the growth. You didn't control the change. And the very thing that was supposed to be a blessing became a curse. Your company became your burden. Are we smarter than God? That's why God says, don't get pregnant until you're married. 
He knows that if this doesn't work out right, you can have a generation of unparented kids in gangs breaking into your homes. So he says, get married, have a kid, and you bring them up as parents. He's protecting you from a tumor. Crime is a disease created by us because we violated God's awesome reestablished laws from history time. Somehow we think we are smart enough to outgrow truth. We invent our own. Write this down, please. Without change, there can be no improvement. But the problem is not all change is improvement. I say it again. Don't just change for the sake of change. People sitting down now with their, their constitutions, and they decide they want to update Upgrade, revise, renew, retweak. Okay, I am sure that there are areas of all things you can tweak a little bit in life. But there's some things you shouldn't touch. For example, I want you to go home and decide, I'm going to tweak the foundation in my house. Uh. Go home and just try it. some things you cannot touch if you want to survive. Now, you could change the windows from blinds to hurricane shutters. House still solid. You can change the doors anytime you want. House still solid. You can even change the roof. House still solid. See, there's some things you better not touch. And this is why a few days ago we had the founding fathers of our country here we didn't want to hear from the windows we wanted to hear from the foundations and that's why the first question was why did you put the preamble there the answer was it is the underpinning that's the term we use underpinning means foundation it holds the whole country together That's what they told us it is. So when you tamper with the preamble, you tamper with the very essence of what the Bahamas is built on. You can't improve on your foundation. You know, let me tell you what I think people are attempting to do. They are attempting to buy a $2 million chandelier for the house but move the foundation. That's how smart we are. That's, that's the problem. We, we, we think that we can get away with an expensive chandelier and still move the foundations. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my fear. Write this down. You must choose to change your desire. Secondly, Fools multiply when wise men don't say anything. Thirdly, evil men succeed when righteous men do nothing. Fourth, darkness rules when light is absent. Five, problems reign when solutions are ignored. Six, and this is a big one, oh, you're writing this day. Buy the CD today. You cannot stop or avoid change. You have two options when it comes to change. One, you can be a victim of change or an agent of change. And an agent of change 
is the one who initiates the change they desire. But if we don't be proactive, we will become reactive, and therefore we become a victim. We will either be agents of change or victims of change. We've got to decide which one we want to be in our generation. And I have decided I am going to be an agent of change. Is anyone here on that side? The world is afraid of smart believers like you. They're afraid of you. So they say to you, stay in your lane. I ain't got no lane. The whole track belongs to my daddy. Y'all clapping me before I go home. I cross lane anytime I see the lane going or the lane. They say things like, why don't the church stay out of oil, stay out of, of, of law, stay out of politics? Shut your mouth. I ain't staying out of nothing because all of it belongs to my father. This is my country. I have to live here. Is there anybody here who believes that too? And this is why we have to be careful. Now write this down. The only way for us to regulate and control the changes we want is we have to have, gotta have a plan. Planning is the key. And the ability to plan is God's gift to man to control the future. We can design and desire what kind of future we want. Planning is man's proactive response to inevitable change. We must not just sit back and let people plan our lives. Did you hear what I just said? Did you realize what I just said? There are people sitting in rooms with closed doors sitting around tables, planning your life while you pray it in tongues. That ends right here. That over. I won't go in the room. I want to hear what you're saying. And I want to be able to say, not this day, brother, not that thing there. You can't plan that in my lifetime or my children's lifetime. Everyone has an agenda. The church has one too. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the real church. In other words, God has given us a responsibility to bring change in the world. Now write this down. No change is more dangerous than uncontrolled change, unregulated change, unwise change. And this is why we must make sure that that change is controlled. My friends, the most un controllable power on earth is change. I want to give you something brand new. Write it down. What is change? Change is defined as to deviate from a set of, a set reference. Write it down. This one, you got to write this one down. What is change? Change is to deviate from a set reference. Secondly, Change means to move away from a norm. That's change. Thirdly, change is to transition from a set state. Number four, change means to violate a set of rules. Anytime someone mentions change, they are doing this right here. They are deviating, they are transitioning, and they are violating something. So when we say let's change some things, what we're saying is let's move away from some set rules or some established principles 
or some reference that's already there. You cannot change unless something is already said. I want you to get this point. So change is only defined by something that is stable. is very important. See, he got it. Some of y'all ain't got it. You cannot say, I want change unless there's something already stable. So when we talk about changes in our society, our society, changes in our culture, changes in our future, we're talking about moving away from some things that we consider a reference, a norm, a set state, and rules we abided by. Oh, I wish I could tell you how important this is. So when they say, let's change the definition of marriage, the very statement implies there is a definition already. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you say that you are oriented to be a she-male, then that must mean there is a female and a male. In other words, you cannot deviate from a deviation. Write that down, man. That's good stuff. You can only deviate from something that's original. So when a person is away from the original, they are called a deviant. I think you use all kinds of terms, you know, sexual preference, you know, orientation. No, you are a deviant. You deviated from the original norm. That's all. And be honest and say that. Don't try to get me to bless it. Just tell me you are a deviant and be your friend. Are you with me? Change has to have a reference. And so we cannot declare change without admitting that there must be an original reference. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, let's get a little deeper then before we run. Change is impossible without an original reference. Therefore, the question is, what is an original reference? And this is where we get it now to simplicity in God. Number one, the original source is considered an original reference. For example, if you took a bucket and put it in a well, and you pulled the bucket up with water in it, what is the source of the water in the bucket? The well. So the well is the reference. So if someone asks you where you got the water from, you refer back to the well. Now the bucket can never be a well. Y'all slow today. There's some people who say, look, God made me male. I want to change myself. You can't change yourself. You ain't the well. Somebody clap by themselves. You, you can't. The bucket will never be the well. The bucket has to keep referring back to the well. And when someone asks you, where did you come from as a bucket of water? You have to refer to the well. Keep going back to the well. And if they want water, don't tell them come to you. You got your own water. 
In other words, a bucket can never outgrow the well. The bucket is never better than the well. It's never bigger than the well. It's never wiser than the well. I need to point number two. What is the original reference? Is the original state of something. Now, stake. Now, what do I mean by stake? Uh, we have a gentleman here who is a experienced, uh, what you call this guy? Surveyor. Yeah. Is he here today? Are there any surveyors here? Yes, stand up here. Barrack Warren, one of our ministers. Now, he is a surveyor. I want you to get me a microphone. I want you to ask him something. See, we think we're smarter than God. When you start moving the stake, <laughs> you get locked up. <laughs> now, we have a professional man who owns a surveying company. I'm going to ask him to tell us what is the first thing a surveyor looks for to find out where property is and is not. Tell us how you do it, sir. Well, the first reference is the... Oh, what word do you use again? The first reference. Okay, see that now? You see where we're going again? Okay, confirmation here. Go ahead, sir. The first reference is what is established from the original design. Okay, stop there again. So as a surveyor, the first thing you look for right. is not what the person want. Correct. You look for what? The original, original design. design. Original design. Right. And then you look for what? The references that were established at that time. So you go back to the original design and you look for the original reference. What do you call the reference? Well, in the, it's interesting, the Old Testament, um, one of the first laws that God gave Moses, which says, do not um, move the ancient boundary stone. Yeah, we can get to that voice in a minute. <laughs> see, see now, he's a, now this guy is a professional architect, and he uses scripture for his company. Go ahead, sir. Okay, I'll, I'll go back. Uh, the, the original design is what is set up uh, to be the authority to keep uh, oh, order. Oh, 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 you sounded good words. Okay, so the original design is what? The authority. Hmm. But I thought that the authority was my opinion. No? No opinions, yeah. No, no opinions in surveying. No. <laughs> all right. So if all of us vote on my opinion, that still don't count. No. If all of us vote that the boundary is here, that don't change the boundary? Not the original boundary. If we held a referendum and decide the boundary somewhere else, does that change the boundary? For a blind man, yes. For what? A blind man. For a blind man, it yes. changes the boundary. Jesus, no <laughs> So why is the reference, who is the reference called a stake? Well, the original reference maintains order. Because oh, stop again, stop again. See, see. You want to come preach, man? This is good stuff. <laughs> original reference, what? Write that down. It maintains order. That means when you move the original reference, there's social disorder. Come on now. Who is that thing? Okay, it's an authority. What else is it? 
it's the, the authority for the system and it maintains order in society. Uh, mm-hmm. If there's an overlap, there's something called encroachment. Whoa, 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 okay, okay. <laughs> Write that way down for me, man. Okay, so now when boundaries overlap, if somebody overlaps, it's called what? It's encroachment. encroachment. It means that uh, someone is usurping the right. Someone is usurping. Don't walk too fast. Okay, so there are some people dressed in suits in Parliament who are claiming to reach to usurp God's authority. So the Supreme Court judges can actually move the stake. That's correct. But it's not real. It's called usurping. That's right. It's called the, the, the authority of a blind guy. That's the word you use? Well, no, no. I'm saying in the scripture. Being yeah, just, the scriptures call it the blind guy. Right, yes, yes. So what do you call that in your business? Well, in, in, that, in, in surveying, uh, if there's confusion and boundaries, you have to always go back to the original reference. Say it again now. If, if there's, there's confusion, confusion in, in the boundaries, right. you must always go back, back to, the original to the original reference. Right. You're right, that man. That's good stuff. Okay. So you watch this now. You see, now what are we doing right now in our country? We're tampering with what? The boundaries well, there. Well, we, we're, we're creating what we, some people desire, not knowing what the foundation is. And what we do is we create confusion according to what we think is the right way to go. And what we think doesn't cancel the original? No, what we think is, is, is contrary to the creator. And so what we're trying to do is to, uh, create a superficial creation that we think is superior Superficial yes. creation. All right, that way down, man. <laughs> so, so you can have a, a superficial country. Correct. So you can have a superficial marriage. That's correct. Or confusion. So you can have a superficial family. That's correct. Hmm. You can become a superficial person. That's correct. <laughs> man, this is heavy stuff, man. So next time you see somebody in the airport who ain't sure where they are, just tell them, you superficial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so let's talk for a minute about the stake. What, what is a stake in, in surveying? A stake, a stake would be the reference that determines the, the basically of a stake would be a determining, the determination between a, 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 a two stakes determine a boundary. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's a, a point of reference to determine basically two properties or two two sets of rights in land. So the, the stake is the point of reference that gives you determination. That's correct. You can determine anything from a stake. From stakes, yeah. Okay, once you find a stake, you can make a determination. That's correct. Okay. So a reference is the stake against which you measure all determination. Give our surveyor a hand. Thank you very much. So please write down number two. Number three, an original reference is the original point. Number three, number four rather, it is the original law against which everything is measured. So a reference point, therefore, is the original principle established. When you start talking about change, you must first find the reference. Our founding fathers sat on the stage a few weeks ago and three of them said, 
I don't know why they touching this thing. They don't understand it, they said, and they try to change it. In other words, they haven't studied the stake first. What was the what was the, the original intention for laying the stake? We got opinions about things. Some of y'all sat here and you was changing that meeting, weren't you? When the man talked about, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the husband of the woman uh, cannot just become a citizen. When he explained it, it made sense. He said, he said the reference was, you go with your husband. That's a stake. He was saying, it wasn't male chauvinism or, or disadvantage against women. He's saying, if we don't allow some order, then anybody go anywhere, anytime, kapunkal of everything. He said there was, a, there was a, a law around the world which says you go to the domicile of your husband. That's all it says. We, you know, we're against who you marry, but before you walk the aisle, remember, you're gone. That's order. Oh, boy. He was bringing us back to a stake so you could understand the words written power of a stake. Write it down. Number six. An original reference is the original true north. A compass is useless without true north. You can buy an expensive compass for two million dollars. But if there's no north, you wasted two million dollars. So when you start talking about changing direction, you must first find north. Oh boy. I, I told you that you cannot define change unless there is a, an established norm. My question is, who creates north? Okay, that's an important question. I got you. Who, who created north? God, the creator established in creation an energy field in the system of the core of the earth that cause gravitational waves to pull in a certain direction, and they always pull north. He put that there. For two reasons. One, he gave us gravity so we don't float away. That means to hold us down, and we always can know where we are. Wow! You cannot vote against gravity. You can't hold a referendum against gravity. Democracy doesn't affect gravity. If 90% of us voted against it, it will still exist. That's the way the laws of God are. Your opinion doesn't touch it. So if it wasn't for the north, there would be no south, no east, no west, no south-southwest, no midwest, no west-west, southwest. There will be nothing without one north. There's got to be something that doesn't move. Come on, somebody. 
Hallelujah. That's why the first thing God gave Moses when he said, I'm going to create a new nation, he gave him law. He said, now don't touch it. And listen to me. God was so committed to order in that nation that he told Moses, if a man commits adultery with another woman, kill him. Now let me explain. Let me explain this to you all. Some of you all say, you know, well, you know, Brother Miles, you know, the Old Testament is, you know, violent and, you know, God is a bloody God, love blood. You know, no, no, no. See, you missed the whole point. The point was, this law is so important. That was the point. That if you violate the law, it's better to remove him from the community because it can destabilize the entire community. That was the point. It wasn't the stoning. It was the value of fidelity. Thou shalt not kill, he says. Whoever kills another man, his life shall be taken. Oh, I don't believe in capital punishment. You missed the point. The point has nothing to do with capital punishment. The point is the value of human life. That's why the people sitting in this building right now and watching this program, whose relative was killed, and the person who killed them is in jail, and these people still can't sleep because, you see, 20 years in prison cannot that be equal to the value of the absence of a relative forever. It's not, it's not the punishment God was talking about. It was the devaluation of human value when you treat a life for 20 years. You can't compare life for 20 years. He was establishing a north. Most of the people who stand up in public, talk about these things, have no idea about Scripture. Always quoting things they don't understand. Makes me wonder. It'd be nice. <laughs> and some of the people in Parliament quoting things, man, and they don't go to church. They have no good pastor to teach them the understanding of those Scriptures, and they quoting against God. They don't understand the principle, the, the law, the, the stake that God was establishing. God was saying, look, thou shalt not steal. That was a stake. Don't move things that ain't yours legally. That includes other people's spouse. Some of y'all ain't clapping, boy. Look in. You better clap, brothers, because, you know, you might confuse me. Some of you women too are better. You better clap, women. Some of y'all too. Because y'all might be the other woman. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Stop breaking God's laws and go home. True North. Look at this. I found this. Tells me everything. When your computer has a problem and it is confused 
and you don't know why it ain't operating. And then your programs ain't running right. And all kind of things popping up that you ain't controlling. Come on, you got a computer problem like that? Things happening that you didn't do. And your computer just ain't behaving. And the more you try to fix it, the more things pop up. I've been there many times. That's called confusion. When there's confusion, they normally say you should do something. Go to default. They call it reboot. Come on, computer problems, talk to me. In other words, shut it down. Oh, Lord, I'm getting ready to go. He said, shut the whole department down. Shut the government down and go back and start over. Go back to the original and say, let me get the manufacturer's design. You keep pressing button, it keeps getting worse. I guess my advice to the world is change backwards. The secret to success in times of confusion is going back to default. It is called the manufacturer's original design. In other words, write this down, please. Default means to return to the manufacturer's state. And those of you who have computers know, and if you fix them, you know. The first thing you do is turn it off. You know what your problem is? You just wouldn't turn your life off. You think you're smarter than God. God says, stop, son, stop. This ain't working. Just stop. I don't want to hear about your positive thinking books. Don't tell me about your PhD. I don't want to hear about your social studies and your history lessons. He says, stop everything. Just stop. Your life is bad. Just shut it down. Stop. Let's go back, he says. Let's go back. Manufacturer state. That's what Jesus came to earth to do. He came to bring us backward. It was Jesus who said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to establish it again. I didn't come to, to start nothing new. I came to restore something old. I came to take us back to default. So here is the bottom line. Write this down. The knowledge of direction first requires knowledge of true north. What direction do we want our country to go in? The answer, first, let's find out true north. What is truth about nations, first? Secondly, the nature of change is defined by the unchanging nature of original positions. We call them ancient law. And the greatest challenge is in life is establishing the source of true north. This is the big argument that we have as the country. This statement is very important. The greatest challenge in life is identifying who establishes true north. I repeat, the greatest challenge in life is you having to establish and decide who establishes true north for your life. If it's 
if it's if it's some bishops voting what true north is, then that becomes your true north. If it's a parliament or a congress or a senate voting, then they become your true north. Whoever becomes your true north controls the direction of your life. So this last statement on this page is key. Whoever defines true north in your life becomes your God. When you talk about changes, you've got to first decide who is your true north. And this is why mankind in the Western, postmodern, so-called secular humanistic society is trying to get rid of God. And this is why there are elements in the Bahamas where I live who are trying to remove God out of the Constitution. Because if you identify the God of the Bible as your true north, then you can't make any changes that violate his laws. If you do, you become a deviant. This is why people hate scriptures. They hate the Bible. You're watching this program. I'm explaining why you hate the Bible. You hate the Bible because the Bible establishes true north. And you don't want no one to tell you what you are if you are a deviant. Get rid of God, then you have no reference. What's the first commandment God gave Adam? The first one. I mean, I gave Moses the first one. In establishing a nation. What's the first one? God identified himself first. That's important. A nation must first decide who is its God. The framers of the United States Constitution understood this. So they put God in the Constitution. The atheists in the United States are saying that's against our rights. They put God on the money just in case. Atheists say, you got to take it off the money. In other words, get rid of this reference. We want to do some things that he doesn't agree with. Get rid of him, please. Don't understand? That's why the preamble is such an argument in the Bahamas now. Because there's some people in the Bahamas who want to do some stuff, but the preamble won't allow them to do. It's the true law. It's the underpinning. It's the foundation. An atheist makes themselves God. Someone said to me, you know, an atheist stood in the courtroom in Fort Lauderdale and said to the judge, uh, we protest Easter. We protest Christmas. We don't believe in these things. And they made a case. They said, you know, the Christians... You know, they have Easter holiday, and they have Christmas holiday, and, and, and we atheists, we ain't got no holiday. <laughs> and the judge says, wait a minute, there is a holiday for you all. He said, what day? April Fool's Day. The guy says, what are you talking about? He says, the Bible says, only a fool says in his heart. So that's your day. We got a whole day for y'all. A whole day. Enjoy the whole day. (laughs) 
whoever defines what? True north becomes your God. So when they start coming to you in the next election for your vote, I want you to be a different human all of a sudden, okay, from now on. I want you to ask them some tough questions. What's your belief about abortion? Don't pause in a job. I can do a job on you. What do you believe about homosexuality? What do you believe about same-sex? I want to hear from you. Ain't no more party. It's belief now. Because I can't have you in there behind that closed door voting a certain way you didn't tell me. Oh, you all sit right there. That's what they do. doing. I, I keep, Lord, please, I can say it. I, I have this idea. I might run in Fox Hill, you know. That's a big cross in my mind. What did I say? That's a constituency. It's time for us to start asking people the right questions. Not can you find me a job? Where are you carrying us for the future? Where are you taking my children in this country? I want to hear your philosophy, your convictions, your belief system, your ideologies, your, your commitments. next election. I don't want no t-shirts jumping up and down. I want you to get it right. A whole new electorate now has come alive. We have our country in our hands and no one's going to decide things we don't want anymore. You're scared, man. You cannot just sit back and say, let them run the place. That's what America did. Whoever establishes true north is your God. So if Jehovah is the one who establishes true north for us, then he is our God. And the Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God... to show you something before we close, because I'm going to pick up here next time. I want to show you something. I want you to read this for me. Proverbs 22, verse 28. Read. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. Read it again. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. This is found in Proverbs 22, verse 28. Read it again. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. Why did God say that? Because people were tampering with those stones. We've got to decide as a country what the stones are. If your stone is male and female is marriage, that's a stone. Who's, who established it? God. Okay. So if Jehovah is your God and he's in the Constitution, then that can never be a reality in the Bahamas for same-sex marriage. In other words, your argument is not against the people. 
It's protecting the stone. Yes, sir. Yes. Let me tell you something. It took me a while to figure this out. Everybody cannot be right. Somebody got to be wrong. Do not touch the stones. Look at Colossians 2 verse 8. Read. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of the world system rather than on Christ. In other words, they come in with philosophies, all kinds of principles that they invented. God says, no, go back to Christ. Measure it against Christ. Let him be the stake. Well, you know, we are now advanced, you know. We are now educated, you know. We have moved out. We are now pro-modern, you know. We are away from now. We are no longer religious, you know. Wait a minute. But then why you don't take your foundation from your house? You know how long you've been in that house? For 40 years. Aren't you tired of that foundation? You cannot outgrow your foundations. You can change your door anytime you want. Ladies and gentlemen, we must not be silent when they tamper with the foundations. You better make some noise when they touch the foundation. Can I hear an Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, read. Do not think, Jesus says, that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets that gave them. I have not come to abolish the law, but to what? Fulfill them. Fulfill means to reinforce them. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappears, not the smallest letter, nor the least stroke of a pen from the law will by any means disappear, he says. Until everything comes back to order. Don't you ever exchange grace for law. Law enforces grace. Grace was given so you could keep God's law. And that's why there's so much sin in the church. We get pastors and bishops messing up, and they, and they come back to the pulpit the next day because they say, God forgave me. By the way, they're using grace as license for sin. God have mercy on us. You can't change the stake. You can't move the boundaries. There are leaders who should not be in leadership. They disqualified themselves. And someone got to tell them, sister, sit down. Brother, you're disqualified. Go get yourself healed before you come back. You are sick. But we keep moving the boundaries, you see. Moving the boundaries. That's why we don't want, you know, to be under authority sometimes, you know, because we want to do what we feel like. Authority is there to discipline you. Not just to protect you, to discipline you, to correct you when you are wrong. And they correct you by what? Showing you the boundaries. 
the Bible says the word of God is good for what? Reproof, rebuke, and correction in righteousness. In this church, I myself am under the laws of this ministry. I'm a subject to the laws of God. You can fire me if I break the law of God. It's for everybody. You can't touch the steak. Nothing's wrong with our society. Some of these reality shows I see on TV, and I just kind of pass them. And I just can't believe what people are calling television entertainment. There's no boundaries, no decency. I mean, they got a show called 16 and Pregnant. I'm like, I'm like, okay, what kind of society is this? that makes a show for one hour out of young girls who got pregnant out of wedlock. And how could you make that a show? Because there are no boundaries. That's not entertainment. That's disgrace. But we have no laws. No stake. So society is lawless. God, Jesus, I didn't come to destroy the law. Look at verse 19. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these laws and teaches others to break them will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices these laws and teaches others to keep them, they shall be called great in the kingdom of God. I hope you are one of them who are teaching people to keep law and to obey God's standards and stay with the north. then you become great in the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's too much stuff here. Okay, I want to show you a verse here. Look at this. And I wanted to, to wrap up on this rights thing because this rights thing is what's messing up the world. I have a right to marry who I want to marry. I have a right to love who I want to love. I have a right to do this. I have a right. Let's hold on a minute. Rights could be wrong. Let me teach you something quick. Write this down. We live in an age of rights. True? Yeah. Hey, we're talking about rights. No, not all rights should be protected. How's that for a shock? Why do we have laws against bestiality? Bestiality means having sex with a dog or a cat or a horse. Why do we have laws against that? Because we consider that a right we shouldn't protect. Not all rights should be protected. Well, you've got to protect my rights. Wait a minute. Let's study your rights first and see if they line up with North. That's the bottom line. If any rights, I got a problem with your rights, let's just check them against the stake to see if they line up. The majority vote could be wrong. That's right. Yes, sir. So I ain't convinced about no voting no more. I want to know how does it line up with true north? That's the measure. Look at number three. Rights must be regulated. Number four. Rights without righteousness is destruction. What is righteous? It means to be aligned with God's law. 
any law or any change that you plan to make, you must check and see if it lines up with true north. There's got to be some north. The majority is not right. True north is right. I'm trying to get out of here. I'm becoming afraid that we get in this thing about, you know, referendum and voting thing. Listen, 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 hold it, hold it. We got to first ask, is it right with God's law first before we vote on it? All vote against gravity. You didn't know that? Let's all, come on, let's just vote right now. We hate gravity. All who hate gravity, hold your hand up. Come on, let's, let's exercise. If you hate gravity and you want to go away, hold your hand up. Come on, hold your hand up, everybody. Hold your hand up, hold your hand up. I want to show you. Is it gone? But we won the election. We won the vote. That's the point I'm making. You can win the vote and still be wrong. When they sit in your Senate, and they sit in your Congress, and they sit in your Supreme Courts, and they sit in your parliaments, and they start voting on stuff, on bills, you better check if the bill is lined up first. And then find out who vote for what. You better find out. You know, they got this thing they call, you know, uh, 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 what do you call it, Privilege. You know, parliamentary, you know, cabinet privilege. I know. I want to know what they do. I want to know who you, what you voted for behind the door. Mm. Hope you understand how serious this is. When they voted for buggery in the Bahamas, none of us knew it. People have in church while they was voting. You all know what buggery is? Some young people are going buggery. You don't know what buggery is? <laughs> you one of my pastors. You both know what buggery is. They passed the law to give permission for a man to have sex with a young boy in the Bahamas. Legally. What age? 16. And, it, and with, a, with a boy. Sodomized. 
and it's legal in the Bahamas, and that vote took place while you were sleeping in a church singing. Where was the church? And who voted in that room? Might be one of your MPs, who you vote for. Now they tell me to keep quiet. Should I keep quiet? No. Are you all sure? No. And I hope you all like them people who say yes, and then when the trouble comes, you run. <laughs> we got some funny people. Read First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twelve out loud. Read. Go. I have the right to do anything. Paul says. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Was I got right? But not all rights are right. When they argue, they go before the commission and tell the commission, I have a right to love who I want to love. Yeah, but don't let us make it right. They want us to protect certain rights that don't line up with the preamble. The preamble is the true north. Some of you wonder why Pastor Miles is aggravating for that preamble to be made Article 1. It's because once you get it enshrined, true north is in there forever. See, right now it ain't in there. Some prime minister next time could take it out without even a vote. You could end up in an atheistic country called the Bahamas with no God. That's the burden I feel. Paul said, I have a right. I have rights. But are they beneficial? Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his rights. His rights. What is righteous for him? You seek that first. First, seek that first. Get your true north first, he says. Get your stake first. Find your stake first. Find your boundary first. Then you can start to build your life, build your country, build your community. First, you start with the stake. That's why our country is having so many difficulties because people are tampering with the boundaries. They are meddling with the stake. They want to move the ancient stone. I hear people in the public radio and deep saying, you know, well, you know the, the, the church needs to, to, to move up and get, become modern. What do they mean by that? And, and they're saying that you know, the, you know, the church is, is behind. The, the church is, now, don't get me wrong, uh, the church may be behind in traditional things, but you don't tamper with truth. You don't meddle with principles. These are the stable things that don't move. Stop right there. Does that remind you of some people in the Bahamas? 
begin to declare the stake, they mock you. You old-fashioned, they say. David says, they mock me unmercifully. Read the next statement. But I will not turn from your law. Have mercy. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws. I will not turn from them. I find what? Comfort in the Lord. Have mercy. You know, the, the surveyor sitting here will tell you that when they take that machete, that cutlass, and they go to the bush, they go looking for the stake. Sometimes they get bit with mosquitoes, am I right? Wasps, you tell you? They get scratched up, they get swollen eyes, they come across a beehive, but they got to keep moving through the bush. In other words, when you want to find truth, sometimes they get stained. Sometimes you got to move people and things out of the way. you got to find the stake. Let's go back to the stake. Once they find the stake, there's a smile with the big eyes swell up with your smile. I straight now. I know where I can start working from again. I can build a whole house from this one spot. David says, I will remember your laws. And they give me what? Comfort. Comfort is I found the stake. I know I'm right, he says. When you find a stake, you know you are right. I got the principle. That's why Dr. Monroe is so bold. I don't deal with facts. I don't trust facts. You can manipulate facts. They are like figures. I deal with principle. Principles don't change. They are permanent. And David says, if I, if I learn your laws... I am comforted. Read the last part, please. Read it. And I find comfort in them. Indignation grips me because of the wicked who have forsaken your law. You say, Pastor Mars, why are you so mad? That's why I'm mad. David was mad too. He said, every time I see people getting up, claiming they're smart mm-hmm. and trying to promote things that you know is against God's solid law, he says, you've got to be angry with them. Challenge them. Otherwise, they make the law for you. Somehow, law always produces indignation. Because people don't want to live by law. They want to live by their own laws. So it creates contention. Proverbs 22, 28 says... Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. We had them in this room of two weeks ago. He said, check them first. At least we got them to talk to. Still, a few of them. It's important to go back to them and say, tell us about the stone. Because some folks trying to move it. Tell us why you put that stone there. And what does stone mean? And they will tell you what the stone means. And then you've got to protect the stone. Why is that in the Bible? Because people like to move stones. Do not move means some people are trying to move it. They're trying to say they're changing for the better. May God have mercy on us. Amen? Amen. I like this picture. That's me and you. 
We ain't sure what to do in life. So here's the verse you must read. Read Jeremiah 6.16. Read. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you say, we will not walk in it. These verses you never know, write that verse down, man. These verses you never saw before. Because look, when you, when you get to a crossroads in a country or in your personal life, in a community, he says, look at the roads, and then he says, go back to the ancient laws. Your modern laws will destroy you, he says. And that's where we are as a country, my brother Paul. We are at a point where we are at a crossroads. We got folks who believe in all kinds of stuff. And God is saying, well, you've got to decide now where you're going to go. And my suggestion is go back. Come on, go back, go back where you came from. Go back to the ancient stones. You can't improve on God. This is the heart of God. He's telling us how to make decisions. You can always go back and check the stones. Go back and check the ancient path. He said the result will be what? He says they'll be good to walk in. Good path. I asked myself a question when I was studying this last night. I meant this verse. I meant this verse. And the Lord says, he says, he says, look at what it says, where the good way is. The question you must keep asking yourself is, is this good for our children? Mm. Is this good for our unborn grandchildren? Is this good for our future? Is this good? That's the question. Is this good for us? Not if it feels good to you. Is it good for us as a people? No lobbying with 10 people who got a million dollars trying to buy a vote. Is it good for the people? That's the question. Is this way good for us? The ancient ways are always good, he says. It's good for us. Another verse I thought was interesting is Proverbs 9, 14, verse 12. Read. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Well, this is what I think. You ever heard that? But this is my view. You ever heard that? But my perspective is, you ever heard that? There's a way that seems right to you. And everybody got their opinion. God says, go back to the stone, the one I laid. Measure your life with my stone. This is a way. Proverbs 16:25. Again, he says, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death. Different verses, you know, saying the same thing. Very interesting, huh? I wanted to close on our theme today. I feel a burden. I feel so afraid. Please, no one move, please. I know we're a little long, but listen to me. This is an important day for me. I went to, to visit a politician recently. And he said, Dr. Monroe, this is the truth, man. He says, they talk about you in the smoking room all the time. Yeah. Oh, you know about that too, eh? Yeah. I said, what they say about me? He said, you'll be amazed what they think about you. Said, Many of the politicians in your country are trying to stay on your good side. Why don't you tell me this? I said, why? He said, you don't understand. The role you play 
He said, and some of them are trying to find something on you to shut you up. And they can't find it, he says. He said, you know, I sit in there quiet, listen to them talk about you, and I smile when they say, but we can't find them. One of them said this. He said, never, he said, one of them said this. He said, one of them said, we shut up the rest of them. You're the only one, they say. Authority is given unto me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of who? He didn't say disciples of the group of people in the church. Listen to me carefully. He said, go disciple what? The nation. That means our country is supposed to be discipled. And then he says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then what? Teach them to obey. Don't just proclaim. You want to make sure that your country is obeying the laws of God. Amen. And you can't do that unless you are influencing them. I weep today. Because they have no respect for many churches. I want to go in the smoking room one day in Parliament. I want to go visit them. I want to walk in there, maybe unannounced. And just say, gentlemen, tell me what you want to tell me. I'm not afraid of anyone. Amen. Jesus said, if you do that, I'm with you. Always. And if God be for you. This is our assignment for this year. He wants us to go and influence to affect the action of men and moral forces. He wants us to have the power to produce and affect the direction through intangible means. He wants to impact the world. The goal of the kingdom is the impact and the effect of principles and principles of God in rulership on earth. That's what God wants us to do. The kingdom of God is the impact of the values and principles of God in society. And that's why God sent us into this world. And Matthew says, you are what? The light of the world. A city that cannot be hid. No more secret believers. We are not supposed to sit back and hope things change anymore. We have to get out there and let the light shine and drive the darkness out. I need some support here right now. We need to say this is not going to just go the way it's supposed to go. We're going to make sure it goes God's way. Can I hear an amen? Therefore, he says, let your light shine where? Before men that they may see what? Your good works and do what? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. That's why God called us this week. And let me say something. Our mission field is a big mission field. What's number one? Go down the list. Go. Political, government, legislative, economic, culture, civil society, social life, arts, education, medicine, business, and religion. He said, go into all those worlds and impact it. Now, here's the problem. I want you to get this with me. This is what you pray for me for. In order to do that, you've got to do this list. What's number one? Action. Number two, involvement. Number three, you got to engage them. Number four, you got to confront them. Number five, you got to challenge them. Number six, you got to interact with them. Number seven, you got to influence them. Number eight, you got to impact them. Number nine, you got to change the situation. And number ten, you got to transform society. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this before you go for lunch? We're going to have to make a difference. Now, when you decide to do that, my friend, there's going to be trouble because you've got to impact what? The political, legislative, economic, cultural, civic, social, and the precepts and priorities and values and principles of the whole community. You've got to do that. And that means that there's going to be resistance against that. And that also is why Jesus said that in the same chapter, you'd like the word, he says out loud, blessed are those who are persecuted. As soon as he said, be light, he said, now be careful. You will be persecuted for what? Righteousness. What is righteousness? Lining up with the north. 
When you start telling people, get back to the north. Get back to the north. They're going to persecute you, he said. But look at the last part. He says, they will persecute you, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, you are representing my kingdom. That's proof that you are representing my culture by the persecution. Read the next statement, please. Blessed are you who people will insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, he says. Rejoice. Oh, hallelujah. He said, go ahead and rejoice when they do that. Because so persecuted they, listen to me, please, please listen to me. He said, when you become a prophetic voice in a country, That's what they're going to do to you. I ain't got no children of the wedlock. I ain't got no sweetheart. I ain't got no puka puka anywhere. I don't sleep with man. I got one wife, two children. And I'm a smart fella. I got degrees from college. I'm an intelligent brother. And I... My house paid for. Cars paid for. By my money, not the church money. This is be carefully, this is serious. That's what they're looking for that. See, they're looking for that. Oh, you owe the bank money for yours, okay. So they call the banker, put a screw on him. So he can shut up on TV. So I'll pay my house off. Oh, your car. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, go pick up the car. Embarrassing. You miss the payment. But they let, let the, 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 the media come and shoot it. So they can say that this man talking about God is a blessing and he can't even pay for his car. So God pay my car off. They try everything falsely. He says, what? Persecute you falsely. The, one of the guys who writes for the punch met me in the airport. He said, you realize how hard you've been trying to find something to write on you in the punch? He said, you are our number one problem in the punch. He said, we got everybody covered except you. <laughs> Give God a hand for righteousness. <laughs> and the guy laughed. He said, he said, you are the only true man of God we know. In the whole we know everybody, he said. You're the true one. Falsely, for my sake. Why am I telling you this? Because when you go, you get problems. This is you. I want you to see you. And that's where we are now. 34 years we've become that. Who are we? Who are we? Whether you like it or not, God tricked us. The smoking room is listening. They are watching this program. Every Sunday they watch me. They got people in here right now, planted. Oh, yeah, I know who you are. Every time I make a statement, the next day, people already know it in Parliament. Some of you all know. You all call them. I know. No problem. We are what? The prophetic voice. We didn't plan to be this. 
we are. And that means that they are afraid of us. So this is what the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to create an army of Gideon. Gideon had 10,000 soldiers. God said, tell you what, I don't want a lot of people. That's one 300. And they changed the world. Today, I don't want you to go there right now. No, please don't go right now. Please. Just don't go there because I want to pray. I want you to pray for me. There's a heavy weight on me today. I'm, I'm, I'm crying out to you. The devil is afraid. Maybe for the first time in a long time in the Bahamas, he's afraid. He's afraid because of you. He's afraid that he cannot manipulate the Bahamas like he planned to because you are in the way. You're the Gideon army. You know, I've been traveling all over the world. Some of you have seen this. You've seen how I have been taken to the nations. And one of the things that that I have been boldly speaking out around the world is about the kingdom of God. I've been training governments, meeting with presidents and prime ministers, telling them about Jesus. I have been influencing decision makers in all kinds of different places. And I have been privileged to, to sit with cabinets of governments in their very offices and tell them about Jesus and, and talk to them about running their countries according to God's principles. And one of the things that I have been trying to do is to show them that God's kingdom is practical, that they can run a country. The principles can actually create laws and, and, and establish the best form of civil society. Over 100 countries, your pastor have had the privilege to go to. The audiences God has opened up the doors is unbelievable the heads of state, who want training. They want the knowledge. They invite you to come in and talk to them about God. And so I've been skipping through the nations, traveling, working with thousands of people, millions of people, to be able to, to shake hands with history, to, to walk in the environment of, of heads of states who who are kings and princesses and royalties in different countries, to give them advice from the Bible and to see that advice taken by them and to go back and visit them and see the results of it. It's incredible to see what God was able to do. And then the Lord told me, focus on home this year. And I fought this. I told, it. I told God, I don't want to do this. He said, son, if you don't do it now, the country's going to go the wrong way forever. So they came back home. And see, right here, in this place, it's begun. We brought the country leaders together. And they came. And everybody's wondering, how did they come? No one could get them together. But they came here. 
Excellency called me. I'll never forget that phone call long as I live. Mr. Turnquist called me. He said, Miles, uh, I've been talking to my colleagues, talking to the other governors. He said, and uh, I want you to know that we only come in because of you. We respect you. We discussed you, he says, and we agreed we're going to do this because we feel safe with you. Why is that important? Because God has given us such a respect among this nation. We had a prophetic voice to be heard. So I want you to, to think about something. I have this statement of here. What is it called? Project Kingdom Freedom. This word freedom is important. Because one of the things that we've been called to do is to transform people and to influence leaders around the world. And to bring change in every area that we can as a church. Whether it's the arts or in politics. And I want to tell you about this, this assignment today. Our ministry has been called to engage and confront society. And I told you that I'm afraid. My fear is that i got to be protected. Will you protect me? Yeah. 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 He said, we must be the light of the world. I wrote this down for you. That means we've got to become proactive. We've got to initiate change. That's why we're doing so much to impact this country and other countries, but especially the Bahamas. Now, here's what I want you to read with me. I call it the position of purpose. Read it together. This assignment demands that we position ourselves as a ministry to be free from any threat of pressure and manipulation by social and political forces due to obligations that could render us vulnerable. Do you understand that statement? Yes. They can't find nothing about me. So we got to position ourselves as a ministry to make sure that we are never in a place where they could pressure us. You wonder why so many leaders cannot speak today? Because they make phone calls behind the scenes to shut them up. It must never happen here. So we don't want to be in an obligation situation. Yes, I want the young people to come in to hear this. We don't want to be in an obligation to the point where we can become vulnerable. Vulnerable means that they can pull strings to shut Bahamas Faith Ministries up. Do you agree with that? We must proclaim the prophetic truth in this country without hindrance, without fear. So I have a, a prayer request for myself and for this ministry. The Word of God says that death makes us slaves to those to whom we are obligated. And it's therefore imperative that we as a kingdom ministry and a heavenly prophetic witness be free from any kind of manipulation. Because when you start speaking truth, truth to unrighteousness and truth to justice or injustice, 
you become vulnerable. For this cause, I have submitted to God for what I call the Kingdom Freedom Project. I want us to be free to tell the truth. We built this ministry 34 years ago from seven people by God's grace. Our value today is about $20 million. We are very, very successful. Our debt for our whole ministry is about $2 million. We are worth $20 million. Come on, give God a big hand. That's awesome. So we have this small little debt that I don't want them to call me on the phone about. And I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, he's going to pay it off. We're going to use us as a family. And that includes those of you watching us around the world. The project I'm calling it is simple, Kingdom Freedom Project. Freedom means I want to be free to preach the truth without fear of incrimination, intimidation, or manipulation. We cannot be muffled by anything. And the Lord said to me, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to pay off the debt so you can speak the truth without fear. I'm going to pay off the people's debt so they can proclaim the truth without fear. I called a group of people together in this church. We met behind the scenes. And I'm telling you, they encouraged me. I was with them uh, uh, Friday. And I told them, I said, I feel so safe with great members like this. And here's what I shared with my heart, with the board. We want to organize and establish what I call a systematic network in this church where we are going to pay this debt off completely without pressure on anybody. It's going to be a concerted effort. We're going to work together at our own levels. We're going to work together as a family. We're going to be transforming not only the debt, but also maintain everything in this ministry operationally debt-free. We want to even operate without deficit or anything so that they can say nothing to the bankers. I want you all to understand it now. Some politicians have values invested in banks. And if they don't like you, they call the bank. Mm -hmm. You all know that happens, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when you start telling the truth about people, then they try to make phone calls. I'm saying this publicly because this is known. This happens. And so we must always be in a position where no one can make a phone call and shut the truth up. So this is what the Lord put in my heart. He says, All right, I'm going to do this with a small group of people called Bahamas Faith Ministries. We're going to impact this world, change our country. Here's the plan. 
It's a term that God gave me. I never heard it before. It's called prophetic protectors. Write it down, please. Prophetic protectors. Prophetic protectors means those who protect the prophetic voice. Those who protect the prophet. Those who make sure the prophet is not stifled by people controlling him. When I understood this, I finally understood why most prophets live in the desert. Because when you live in the town and you owe everybody, they can make you shut up. Prophets normally come to town, throw a rock, and then run. Am I right? You know, John the Baptist, you know, Jeremiah, okay. Because, because the prophet cannot be owing to the people they are rebuking. So God says, I want you to raise up prophetic protectors. And that's why we're here. He said, I want you to preach and change the country for my sake. But I want to protect the prophet. So today we're going to have what we call the introduction of prophetic protectors. And it's for everyone. Uh, Prophetic protectors are those who make sure that the prophetic voice of the kingdom truth is never muffled, oppressed, manipulated, or threatened by the enemy. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And so this is what we are inviting you to join us in. To become a prophetic protector. I'm asking you to protect me and the voice of this ministry. We are going to address not just the debt, because we've got a group of people in the church who have decided that they're going to work on that. We're going to also address any kind of operational deficit so the bank will not have anything to say to us. And the Lord says, I will do it for the church ministry, and I'll do it for the people. God says, he's going to take care of your debt so that you can speak the truth. Can I hear an amen? I want to close with two verses of Scripture. When Abraham was called by God, Abraham said these words to the king who tried to control him. You know, the king offered Abraham all kinds of things. Abraham says, uh, he says, no, I will accept nothing belonging to you. Not even a thread or the strap of your sandals. Just in case you may want to say, you made me rich. Do you get it? See, when people hold on to something, they can shut you up. Abraham says, I don't want to owe you nothing. So when I start rebuking you, you can't stop me. The last verse I want to show you that shows me how important this is, is when Jesus rose from the dead, and the guards who saw him had the first message of the resurrection. The Roman soldiers were the first ones to see him. And the Bible says... While the women were on their way, some of the guards went to the city and reported to the chief priest everything they had seen. In other words, they were the first ones to preach the resurrection. And when the chief priest heard what they were preaching, they gave the soldiers what? A large sum of money and tell them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away. They gave them a lie and they financed it. There are people in the Bahamas in pulpits who are paid by ungodly people to vote certain ways. 
revenue. They paid the soldiers to tell a lie. Look at the last part. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And to this day, this story has been circulated among the Jews that Jesus' body was stolen by his disciples. In other words, they financed a lie. That's how powerful money is. It can make you preach lies, even though you know the truth. Because the person who paid you control you. This ministry must be free. So we continue to tell the truth. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Living Effectively. For copies of this program, the complete teaching series, books, CDs, DVDs, magazines, and other resource materials by Dr. Miles Monroe, or information on seminars, conferences, workshops, and itinerary travels to your area, visit our website at milesmonroeinternational.com or bfmmm.com. Email us at info at mmi.com. And remember, our mission is to help you live effectively. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.